I go, Drew Nation. Here we go. Baby, then you know you don't belong to me. Let me tell you that you're in my body speaking. Touching, touching, touching on me. Touching, touching, touching on me. Baby, then you know you don't belong to me. Let me know you know you make my body speak when touching, touching, touching on me, touching, touching, touching on me. That's by a uh, Honey Baby, touching uh, new world artists. Um, that song was well produced. Ill Maestro, I want to say. Um, you know it's podcast time because here I come singing my melodies to walk me in. There's always something in my head before we get these things going, but you should know that by now. How you doing, Goju Nation? Yes, yes, how are you? Uh, summer's almost over. It's winding down. Not as far as dates, but as far as, you know, school's about to start again. And you know what's interesting? Uh, public school or, or, or elementary school, high school, middle school, now starts in August, at the end of August. Um, if you, there was a time where uh, you would have the barbecue on Labor Day. You would go shopping for school the week before Labor Day. And the Wednesday after Labor Day, you went to school. The first day of school was traditionally the first Wednesday after Labor Day. Um, that has gone by the wayside. These kids are in school a week earlier, and they're coming out of school halfway into June, where usually it's the first week of June. That's a couple of weeks, those two, three weeks, you could thank former President Barack Obama. Because when he went into the office... When he went to the Oval Office, he stated very clearly that we were behind China in educational terms and need to catch up. And he was talking about doing alternate things and had different ideas. But where it kind of landed is that we're just in school a teeny bit longer. And not that that's, you know, we're not breaking records here. But over time, hopefully it makes a dent and uh, and it shows. But uh, just bringing that for you to think about. But yeah, you know what I remember? Yeah, it used to be school would be like after Labor Day. Not college, of course. But, um, yeah, you know, school starts back. Yeah, there you go. You got me by myself, Goju Nation. You know what that means. You get some qualified, verified, and certified. Industry rule number 4080. Um, I think we should get right into this, right? Yeah, let's just, let's just jump right into it. The Q, the Q, the Q, the Q. Qualified, qualified, qualified. Um, I haven't had much to speak about musically um, because if it doesn't speak to me, I'm not going to speak on it. I'm not just going to say, well, this person's album came out and this person's album. Nah, I'm, I'm, I want y'all to come here. And, as I said, y'all, I want y'all to walk away and say, I listened to Industry Room of 4080. And I need to look at this, listen to this, and pay attention to that because nobody else is saying it. And it speaks to me in a way that I can embrace it. So, First thing musically we have today is an artist named October London. October London is born and raised in East St. Louis. And you could feel and hear in his voice when he sings that he is inspired by the likes of Sam Cooke, Stevie Wonder, and Marvin Gaye. And he has a project that if you have any attachment to Marvin Gaye, who just happens to be my favorite artist of all time. Those who know, know. He has an album called The Rebirth of Marvin. And this album is a necessity. And let me give you a plot twist. Plot twist. This album is on Death Row Records. 
an R&B album that is on Death Row Records. Yes, Snoop Dogg is this guy's label head. <laughs> Snoop Dogg's put an R&B album that is good. I bet, you just, I bet you never thought when he was making Gin and Juice you would ever say that. Snoop Dogg is overseeing an R&B album that is good. <laughs> okay. Um, it reeks of reverence and respect to Marvin Gaye. If you are a classic R&B fan, must, must listen. The standout tracks on this project are Midnight Love Affair, Mulholland Drive, and Lover's Interlude. And if you have satellite radio listening to any of these urban stations, you would have heard the song now, Back to Your Place, which would walk you into saying, he does sound like Marvin Gaye, and let me go get this project. October London, the rebirth of Marvin, beyond worth your time and effort. Next project is by Victoria Monet. And let me walk you through her, her life a little bit. Um, songwriter, singer, turning into singer, songwriter. Um, she has worked with renowned artists and projects. And um, she's worked with Ariana Grande on three of her albums, written some of the singles. She's collaborated with Fifth Harmony, T.I., Nas. And I don't want to get so much into the resume because I want to speak about the project. Um, she's her debut album came out. In 2014, Nightmares and Lullaby, Act 1. Um, then she had Life After Love, Part 1. Life After Love, Part 2 came out in 2018. Um, she's American and Trini. Trinidadian. And um, her new project is called Jaguar 2. Yes, there was a Jaguar 1. Um, here's the deal. Um, she shows in this project that it doesn't matter the tempo. It does not matter the musical concept or the topic. She's built for it all. She's got it. She knows what to do with it. She seamlessly, seamlessly flows throughout the project with dexterity. She has Lucky Day on the album. Earth, Wind & Fire is on this project. Yes, that Earth, Wind & Fire. As well as Buju, Buju Bantan is on this project as well. That just solidifies her respect for the craft. N now, Lucky Day then Earth, Wind & Fire, Roots, Her Roots, Buju Bantan. So it's worth the journey in this qualitative opus. Let's, be, let's just be clear here. She's not reinventing the wheel, although the creativity definitely shows. She has like nice interludes at the end of the song, nice uses of strings throughout the project. Um, she has an Afro Beats record. She's got it. She's got, she figured it out. Okay, she's got her radio records. You've heard the record with Lucky Day if you if you pay attention and listen to what's going on right now. Um, qualitative project. That's why it's under the queue. Right? We're not we're not breaking any land speed records here. Okay, it's not it's, it's not it's not gonna sell ten million copies. But what it will do is that if you just want to listen to something that you haven't heard recently, want some new music, want some that's not going to upset your ears, some that's going to embrace your ears, and make you smile and Enjoy while you're going through whatever you're dealing with life-wise, whether it's working with, you know, going to work, dealing with family, just going back and forth, running errands, whatever that may be. This is a qualitative opus worth your time and worth your effort. Victoria Monet, Jaguar 2. Last one. New artists that I want you as Goju Nation to go seek out 
now. I repeat, seek this artist out now. Her name is Annie Tracy. Her debut single was called Times It By Two, which she wrote, and she can write, and she can write. It was produced by D. Mill. He's worked with Silk Sonic and also one of my other favorites, India Sean. Big fan of him. Big fan of him. Um, and you'll thank me later. Just go find Times Times It By Two and thank me later because you're going to be engaged by this song. You're going to embrace her early and want to be a part of her journey as she grows. And what she also does, she's outside. She's outside. Her YouTube channel is nice. She, when I say she's outside, she's singing on trains. She's singing at Times Square. She's doing live shows. Um, she's got a live show where she has a song about God. I can't remember the name of the song right now. But, ooh, it is well done. Ooh, it is well done. Absolutely just as good. That song and Times It By Two lets you know she's on her way. She has a great voice. She likes to sing live so you can hear her range. So she lets you know she ain't playing. Okay? Go to her YouTube page. It will tell you everything. Annie Tracy. Times It By Two. Download it. You will thank me later. And that's what I'm here for, Goju Nation. <laughs> Alright, last one Sidebar Doja Cat Coyla Ray Appreciate your artistry I appreciate, especially Coyla Ray She's a dancer, she likes to dance Her shows are very well done Alright, she can do a thing But I need you both to do one thing for me I need for you to add a cheeseburger To your weekly eating habits you both are beautiful, and you know what you were doing, but y'all are looking emaciated. For those who don't know, look up the word. You are looking emaciated, and I'm a teeny bit concerned, <laughs> right? And all I'm saying is if you add a cheeseburger to your diet, just one, I'm not saying go crazy. I'm not saying you have a good metabolism. You may have a fast metabolism. I'm just saying just add one a week. Well, instead of cheeseburgers, maybe some fries, maybe a milkshake, just so y'all can fill out a little bit. Y'all looking a little emaciated, and I'm concerned about you. I'm definitely concerned about you. That's the Q, the Q, the Q, October Learn, excuse me, October London, The Rebirth of Marvin, Victoria Monet, Jaguar 2, Annie Tracy, <clears throat> Annie Tracy, times it by two, upcoming artists. And the last part is just the truth. <laughs> okay. And the V, the V, the V, the V. All right, we in the verified now. Um, asked uh, my brother, asked a couple other people who are loyal to the podcast. I said, um, how you feel about these left turns I make when I do this QV and this qualified, verified, certified? They said, no, 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 keep that up, man. We like that. So here we go. Er, left turn. I started the survival conversation in the past two audio podcasts, and I want to continue it because I gave you on the first version of the podcast with survival how relevant it is and how things have happened in society to let you know that there is an element of being prepared that you now must have in your everyday, not in your optional day, in your everyday. So before I get into this, and I spoke to tell you about this, I asked Telly a couple questions about this, and this is how I got to these to this space and place to make sure from a time space standpoint, I'm not giving you the cart before the horse. That way you can pay attention, do things the right way. So Goju Nation, question number one. Did you look into how you can 
legally acquire protection in whatever form for you and your loved ones. Number two, did you look into how much of a factor situational awareness needs to become a part of your new normal post-COVID? Number three, did you start working on your bug out and go to hell bags as we discussed in detail in the last podcast? Now, I have a feeling I know the answer to these three questions. And I don't necessarily want to fight with you about this. I want to feed you about this. So let's get you some more qualitative content in this space and place. You could be ready. You could be prepared for the purpose. That's the term. I want you to be prepared for the purpose. When you recognize you're in a survival situation, it has a second layer of personal preservation. Um, I've given you the past two podcasts what every person would need if a survival circumstance was in play. But the next few things are due to your individual requirements. You personally, what you have to deal with. Um, let's start here. Um, for those that have personal health situations that require medication or require, you know, certain pills or, or liquid medication, whatever it is, if you have a secondary or a primary or a health condition, you need to start hoarding magic, med- hoarding that medication, hoarding that medication so that you have two weeks worth at minimum in that go to hell and bug out bag. Get the correlation. So if you get 90 pills, you need to, you know, three months supply. You need to make sure that you use three fourths of that and then, you know, order some more as you can within limitations with your doctor. So you could put some medication aside. So if there is a crisis situation, you have what you need is in your bug out bag because in a crisis situation in certain cities, you'll be aware that everybody was home. Not everybody was there, so you couldn't get your medication. And that's why I'm stating this. During crisis, you're going to need your medication. So start hoarding little bits of your medication over time so you have what you need. Remember we talked about that three-day emergency, two-week crisis window, and you want to be able to have at least enough for that as you're doing what you're doing. All right? Um, how you deal with food if you're out in the world, right? You, you know, remember, crisis situation. Start pulling these things together now and have it with you. Make sure everybody has this. You're going to need, and watch how simple this is, and it's going to surprise you, but this is it's, it's factual. Um, you're going to need a big bottle of water. Uh, think big Essentia bottle. Not gallons and gallons, but a big bottle of water. Think Essentia, the big Essentia bottle. You're going to need a supplemental drink like Nutriment, Ensure, Splenda. Sp- uh, Splenda? Yeah, I think Splenda. Um, um, you're going to need a, nutri- a, a nutrition drink of some sort like that. And you're going to need some jerky, beef jerky, jerky. You're going to need something like that um, to carry in your go-to-hell and bug-out bag. Facts, okay? You're not going to like this, but facto. You can survive for two weeks off of a swig of water. I drink it all. A swig of water. A swig of that nutrition supplemental drink like a Ensure or Nutriment. And a bite of beef jerky. Not a big bite. A bite of beef jerky. And that's the one meal for the day. 
your body can survive off of that for a day. And that and that's to sustain you for two weeks if you do it properly. And in your bug out of go to hell bag, it will not take up an intense amount of space, but you have what you need for your body to survive within that short span till you get to some help or some help gets to you. Water, supplemental drink, ensure nutriment, and some jerky. Okay? Beef jerky, whatever jerky you prefer. Um Next, <laughs> we spoke about the multi-tools in the previous podcast, but I didn't get into detail on that. Let's delve a d- bit deeper. Uh, here are some brand names that uh, will speak to you, or when you say these names in front of other people, especially around people, survivors, they will say, yeah, you know what you're talking about. Uh, Gerber, Sog, uh, Swiss Army, which we all have heard, and Leatherman, a few brands. Uh, there, are plenty, there are other brands that make as well, too, but... I might be speaking about the four major ones to a certain extent. I have a Leatherman. I carry my Leatherman with me all times, all times. I repeat, all times. And you need to invest in a good one. You need to spend over 70 plus dollars. I have multiple multi-tools that I carry on me. I have small multi-tools on my keychain. I have a small one in my go-to-hell bag. And I have a one that's every day. Invest in the good ones. You have a good everyday one. Spend over $70. You need to manipulate that multi-tool the same way you you manipulate a joystick. And if you could manipulate a joystick better than a multi-tool, you need to be paying more attention to what I'm saying right now because that needs to be the other way around. Because a joystick does nothing for you in survival mode. Nothing. I'll say it one more time. Nothing. A multi-tool in survival mode does a myriad of things that will get you through your circumstance. And if you walk into a room with plural people and you got a multi-tool, you instantly become one of the most valuable people in the room because you can do things with this multi-tool. There's screwdrivers and there's scissors in it. There are uh, uh, you can wrench in it, uh, pliers, um, different types of knives, a saw, okay, uh, a fishing rod if you know how to manipulate it the right way, um, a flint to start a fire. Beyond useful. So don't take that multi-tool lightly. That's why I keep it on me every single day. And you won't even know I have it on me. You've been, if those that know me, you've been around me plenty of times. You don't even know I have it on me. You don't even know. But those that know, know. So get your hands on a good, good multi-tool. I have a Leatherman. I probably have had two or three Leathermans. And, and and be cool with it, man. You, you know, you could you could design it, you can engrave it, you can, you know, you can paint it, you can do some nice things with it. They have some real nice ones that, that you will enjoy. Don't think of it as carrying a hammer with you or a screwdriver, but you think of it as carrying something useful for your everyday. Um and also, moving to the next topic and verified under survival next steps. Remember we spoke about you having survival rope? And we talk about the lanyards and how you can do knots with the lanyards and stuff like that. It carries a survival rope on you. Um, going back to those lanyards you made when you were in a summer camp, right? Square box, and, you know, cobra, that type of thing. That's, that's, that, that's where that came from. Um, you're going to need to know a few basic knots you know, that you're going to have to tie when you're dealing in this mode as well to crisis survival, all right? Um, what if you have to carry something or wrap something up and carry it with you. You need that rope to be strong 
and not come apart. So let's say, like, think about old school. If you're carrying a bunch of books or you're carrying some over your shoulder and you need something that's reliable and strong, that's not going to fall so you don't have to keep picking it up. Well, you're going to need a bowling knot, okay? Bowling knot, right? The main purpose is it does to create a non-slip loop at the end of a rope and it's known for strength and reliability. Bowling knot, right? That's knot number one. Number two is you're going to need to know a square knot. And the square knot is what you use to put two pieces or ends of rope together to extend the length of the rope or to save two smaller pieces with a longer one. Think about when you have something that's not big enough to wrap something up or not long enough to wrap something up. You may say, I don't need this. I can't use it. It's not long enough. Well, with a square knot, you could tie it together to extend it to make it the length that you want. So no rope is useless. I repeat, no rope becomes useless. Every piece of rope can be utilized. And that's what a square knot is for. Think about how many times you may have said, ah, I can't use that. Well, now you know you can if you don't utilize a square knot. Right? And before I get to the third one, you can go online and look up these knots and how to tie them together. But I advise you to go to REI and look around the counter or ask the counter person where they keep their book of knots at. It's a small pamphlet-sized thing that you can keep in your go-to-hell-or-bug-out bag. Again, see the reference. And it has a myriad of knots, 10 times more than I'm telling you right now. But I'm giving you the basic survival knots for the novice to be able to walk out the door. I repeat, the novice to walk out the door. And you should be practicing these knots on a semi-consistent ah, basis if you can. When do you say? Well, when you're binge-watching. Instead of putting your hand in the popcorn, grab the rope and start working on the knots while you're watching that movie or you're binge-watching that show. So you could learn these knots. Okay? It does not take that much time. And once you get good at it, you can do it with your eyes closed. And when you can do it with your eyes closed, you are starting to be a survivalist. Congratulations. Third knot. Don't be afraid of what I'm about to tell you. There's going to be times where you're going to want, let's say you're in full-blown survival mode. And you're cold and you need to gather some warmth. Let's say you're in a place where you can't fish and you need to hunt some food. All right, and you may not, and you may not have a firearm with you. What are you gonna do? Well, you're gonna create this knot that is used for different purposes or stereotype for different purposes, but this is what it was intended for. You're gonna need to make a noose because the noose is used in survival terms for trapping animals. So, and the way that a noose operates is that the more you struggle, the tighter it gets. So think about it if an animal gets his head trapped or his leg trapped in the noose. As it struggles to release itself, it tightens the noose, which eventually it subdues itself, which allows you to do what you need to do. Okay? Uh, so you know how to make a noose. And when you know how to make a noose, subconsciously, it'll feed your ego not because you want to use it on a person, but because you've heard so much about a noose to be able to make one will empower you, make you feel good about yourself. All right. So bowling, square, noose. Those are the three general knots you need to know how to make. You can look them up on YouTube to know how to create it. But I advise you to get the book of knots. That's not the proper name of it, but the REI person or the survivalist store or the camping store will know exactly what you are talking about. And they will point you in the right direction to get your hands on one of those. It's only going to help you. It's not going to hurt you. It's only going to help you. It's not going to hurt you. Again, I'm just sharing what people will not share with you or not enough of us share with each other. 
And it's up to you. Just let me know. Because the next time we're in a crisis situation, you tell me which one you want. Okay? You want to be food or you want to be the wolf pack? Because if you and your team or your family each takes up the responsibility of things I'm talking to you about right now, you will be the wolf pack so you can survive. You will not be food for the wild to take upon you. The V, the V, the V, the V, and the C, the C, the C. Here we go, certified. Goju Nation, stick with me. Certified. We're going to do a little sports today, and then I got a couple of points. All right? Uh, let's talk a little basketball. Left turn. Historically, the greatest number three pick of all time in 1984 was Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Why is it so? Because he's the greatest player of all time. Picked at number three. That year, Hakeem Olajuwon, Hakeem the Dream, was the number one pick. And Sam Bowie, Kentucky, serviceable, was the number two pick. They took those, in those days, a big man was perceived the star to a certain extent. So they took the two big men for they took the guard. But that was a changing of the guard when Michael Jeffrey Jordan was drafted. History has told that story. You don't need me to repeat it 10 times. Point I'm making here, Goju Nation, is that historically, you don't want the number one pick to build your roster or your team. You want the number three pick. That's the pick you want going to get you where you got to go. That's how you build your roster. I'm going to start by going through some number one picks and what their career trajectory is or has been. And then we'll compare it to number three picks. Bear with me on this one as I go through it. A few years just so I can get some good context here. All right. I'm going to start with 2009. Let's say the last 15 years or so. Okay. 2009, Blake Griffin, Oklahoma. Good pro. Made some, made some all-star teams. Not a Hall of Famer. John Wall, Kentucky, 2010. Good player. Had great moments. Made some all-star teams. Not making it to the Hall of Fame. And you would think your number one pick would be the pick that transcends your team and takes you from bad to instantly uh, contender or viable or takes you leaps and bounds closer to the finish line of the NBA title rather than not going in that direction. And the first two I just mentioned did not do that. Number three, Kyrie Irving, NBA champion from Duke. He's on his way to the Hall of Fame. So there's one. Okay, 2012, Anthony Davis, Kentucky, won a championship. We need him to stay a little bit more healthy, but on his way, has a Hall of Fame trajectory. That's two. Okay, uh, 2013, Anthony Bennett, UNLV, who? Bust. 2014, Anthony Wiggins, Kansas, serviceable player, not a person you build your, ro your, your roster around to go to an NBA championship, but serviceable. Okay. 2015, call Anthony Towns, Kentucky, same as Anthony Davis, on a trajectory that gets there, okay? But call Anthony Towns hasn't won anything as far as championship, okay? But he's, but he's a good serviceable player, big, good, good big man. You would want him on your team. 2016, Ben Simmons, LSU, bust. 2017, Markel Fultz, Washington, yeah, trying to figure it out. He's been injury prone, but you can't build a roster around him. Can't build a roster around Ben Simmons. Can't do it. Okay. 2018, DeAndre Ayton, Arizona. Good big man. Very good big man. Can't build a roster about it. Not going to the Hall of Fame. 
2019, Zion Williamson, world is looking like it's in shambles and needs to play a full season for us to even know what he can or cannot be. Not going to the Hall of Fame at this point. Okay. 2020, Anthony Edwards, Georgia. Good, good, good start. Potential there, potential there, potential there. 2021, Cade Cunningham, Oklahoma State. Remains to be seen, but good start. 2022, Paolo Bonchero, Duke. Uh, was he rookie of the year? He may have been rookie of the year, okay? But we'll see. Still young in his career. And this past year, Victor Wimbayana, who is overseas, the seven foot five phenom, has not played a game yet. I mentioned 15 years or so of basketball players, two guaranteed Hall of Famers. You should not have two guaranteed Hall of Famers with your number one pick. You should have every year a Hall of Famer as your number one pick. Or damn near a staple in your franchise that has you contending for a championship on a consistent, consistent, consistent basis. And the only ones on that list are Anthony Davis, who needs LeBron to partner with. Kyrie Irving, who also had LeBron to partner with. But they're on that trajectory. And the next one is Carl Anthony Towns. Three out of 15. DeAndre, Zion, Anthony Edwards, Cade Cunningham, Paola, Victor Wimbiana. We're giving them, We're giving them a to-be-determined, but it does not look that way right now let's compare the number three picks starting with 2009 watch how this goes 2009 number three pick was james harden hall of fame forget the personal stuff hall of fame okay 2010 Derek favors bust <laughs> 2003 enos Cantor, serviceable 2011, Bradley, excuse me, 2012, Bradley Beal, Hall of Fame trajectory. 2013, Otto Porter Jr., we'll see. Eh, this year will tell the tale. 2014, Joel Embiid, Hall of Fame. 2015, Jaleel Okafor, bust. 2016, Jalen Brown, Celtics, Hall of Fame trajectory. 2017, Jason Tatum, Hall of Fame trajectory. 2018, Luka Doncic. Donkic, Hall of Fame trajectory. 2019, R.J. Barrett, ugh, we'll see. 2020, LaMelo Ball, we'll see. 2021, Evan Mobley, uh, serviceable and strong at that role. 2022, Jabari Smith Jr. remains to be seen. 2023, Scoot Henderson hasn't played a game yet. Let's go over that again. We had two Hall of Famers who needed help with the number one pick. And in this number three pick, James Harden, Hall of Fame, Joel Embiid, Hall of Fame, Jalen Brown, Hall of Fame trajectory, Jason Tatum, Hall of Fame, Luka Doncic, Hall of Fame trajectory, LaMelo Ball, we'll see what happens here, Bradley Beal, Hall of Fame trajectory. I just named six to seven Hall of Famers with the number three pick. And the number three pick is not perceived as a franchise savior, it's perceived as one of your top four two or three players on your team. But I gave you that these three players are team leaders rather than number one picks. I don't want I want to go back a little bit more, but I don't want to beat you in the head about it. I want you to do your own homework on it and see what I'm saying is the case. The premise is the number three pick in the NBA draft has more return on investment rather than what you have to pay for the player, the player's contribution, and what they represent to your franchise than a number one pick. Number three over number one. Number three over number one. That's my basketball take for today. Couple of names to remember within the next year. 
track and field, U.S. track and field. Female side, Shikari Richardson. She just won the women's 100-yard dash at the World Championships. 10.65, very close to the world record. Dallas, Texas native. Here's what she's known for that you may pay attention to. Last Olympic trials, she was uh, disqualified for making the team because she, was, she tested positive for THC. And she was suspended, so she couldn't make the Olympics. And what happened then is that she was bombarded by media or certain media outlets or certain media personas about how that affected her career in a bad way or just basically kind of capitalizing on the story and what the negative impact may or may not have been, more so a positive impact of what she may do moving forward. Because what she has done is she has pressed the reset button and she is now murdering it. Now, Olympic sports are in a much better place when there's a female sprinter doing her damn thing. Think Jackie Joyner Kersey, you fill in the blanks. When we have a famous female sprinter, okay, we are a happier country. So Shikari Richardson. Now, what she did, which I love, is now that she's going to make this Olympic team, God forbid her not having an injury. Remember, the Olympics are next summer, by the way. Uh, summer Olympics, next summer. Um, she is refusing to speak to certain reporters who she remembers gave her ajira when she did not make the Olympics past term. And she remembers. She's kept her receipts. Love that. Because she's not being rude. She's not being disrespectful. She's keeping her receipts and saying, you didn't love me then. Don't come love me now. Don't capitalize on my on my, uh, on my my discretions and then try to capitalize on my successes. You got to be a team player. So I respect her for that one. Shikari Richardson. Okay. Dallas, Texas. Look up her. Uh, look her up on YouTube. That's what it's there for, right? Second one. Male sprinter, 100-yard dash. Noah Lyles, 983. 983 in a 100-yard dash. Um, he's And he's won the 200-meter. He's looking to become the next Usain Bolt, the Usain Bolt for the U.S., where he wants to be the 100-yard, 200-yard, and sprinting, uh, excuse me, in hurdles. Um champion i think oh usain did 102 and i don't think he did hurdles but um no allows is looking to do that and be that triple threat um noah lyles track and field name you should remember him and shikari Richardson, usa track team god willing nothing happens to them injury wise they make the olympics and they become our next great olympic sprinters okay um it goes fast, Goju Nation. Here we go. Changing the subject to a couple of situations that are just um, one, one thing that very much caught my eye and caught my attention I want to speak on. Um, first of all, the internet, I'm saying it again, is getting on my nerves because you're not getting direct information you want. You're getting places to go to. You're getting ads left and right. You don't just have the information that you can use to research you basically are going to a television on your computer with ads left and right, getting in the way. Tangential information is not speaking directly to what you're looking for. And you having to go to seven different places to get one piece of information. It's a problem for me. That's one vent. 
Second vent, which is an event, is that I'm saying this for the record. And I'm not sure if this is the proper term, but we're going to use this and coin this term right now. Are you aware that we all now have a social media doppelganger? Look up the word doppelganger. We have a social media doppelganger. What does that mean? That means that we have a social media persona compared to our actual persona. And it's not that you're not being authentic. It's almost as if you're being very aware, probably the best way to say it, as you move through and navigate this social media space. Let me give you an example. Um, I have a friend of mine, close, close friend, close friend, that is uh, very worldly, very stated, has traveled a lot, has been in plural different countries, has been in plural different situations that require his level of skill set to be employed. And he may be a Swiss army knight as a person. And when his persona on social media, he is very positive. He's very motivational. Uh, he speaks truth to facts. Um, he speaks truth to reality. Um, he has a sensibility, has a lot of followers. And he actually met his wife on social media because she saw his positivity, matched his positivity, and they moved off in the positivity happiness together. <laughs> All right, that's what they've done. But I don't want you to be fooled. This person also is not one to be messed with in the sense of if you act up, he'll show you how to really act up. And what happens is, is that he told me, which is funny, is that he gets a lot of DMs rather than comments on his actual page. He gets a lot more DMs. And the DMs are when people kind of go in and may want to challenge him or, or may want more of his assistance. That's where they go to that second, third layer of what it is. And that's them looking for the him that he is on Tuesday at 10 p.m., not the social media persona, which is nothing wrong with it. Again, it's him being aware during the day. Because who wants to run around acting all depressed all day? You want to speak about the, the good events in your life and the positivity in your life and, and what you have to offer the world in your life. And that's what social media is supposed to be to a certain extent as well, too. But he's not one to be messed with. And when he told me that he gets a lot of DMs, I said, see, that's funny. See, I didn't look for the real you. Okay? That's the one, I, that's the one that'll show them things that they don't want to see. That's when I'll introduce them to things that they don't want to be a part of because they don't poke the bear, if you will. And we all have that persona. And I just wanted to say out loud that it's officially a term. You have a social doppelganger, okay? You have the person who you are at your core, the person who your children know, the person who your mother knows, the person who your spouse knows. And then you have the social media persona, which is the presentation of that person. I don't want to say representation because that might sound a little bit phony, but it's the presentation of yourself, which is who you are as well, too. It's just the aware version of yourself. And what's funny is you're going to start having conversations where it's almost two sides of the conversation if you're in this world. It will be the person who you are and it will be the people who you interact with in social media. It's almost like having the conversation about, about having dinner and the conversation about having dessert. You have a full-blown conversation about dinner and a full-blown conversation about dessert. They are tangentially connected to each other, but they're not the same thing. <laughs> social doppelganger we all have one if you're on a social media platform you have one just saying for what it is and last and final point under certified i'm gonna say this slowly and simply women ladies the fairer persuasion who i respect and i love of the men 
who are not living on the down low, not not gay, alternate lifestyles, not imprisoned, and over the poverty line, and can work, that are single. The ratio of women to men is seven to one, and it may be eight to one. What does that mean? As you are stating what you want and what you need and what you must have and what you will not settle for, I am saying that there are seven or eight of you that are all saying the same thing, and there's only one guy that can fill that. That's in the marketplace right now. I am not saying to change your methods. I'm just saying be aware of the numbers because the way that my lovely female persuasion is carrying themselves it is as if they are unaware of that circumstance so when you have your conversation about why you're upset with men and why you can't find a one that is worthy or a good partner or a worthy partner i'm telling you because the ratio is seven or eight to one women to men Gotham Jungle, Gotham Jungle, Gotham Jungle. All platforms, including threads. Facebook, IG, uh, Twitter, YouTube. And surprise, I will be guest hosting on Sirius XM Radio, The Heat, at 11... PM East Coast time on August 27th. This voice has made it to radio. Blessed, blessed, and blessed. At Gotham Jungle, subscribe, share, comment. We're here for it all. The Q, the V, the C. Industry rule number 4080. Let's go, Goju Nation. I appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you. Gracias. And should I stop there? Yeah, we'll stop right there. See you soon, Goju Nation. Thank you very much. Enjoy.